Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. Today I have a guest with me and I am really excited to chat to him. I followed him across TikTok and Instagram for quite a while now and I'm pretty sure quite a few of you will do as well. He is a resilience coach and his name is Josh Connolly. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Looking forward to the to the conversation as well. I love the content that you create. I think it's really empowering for people who are in my position, who have cut contact with a parent, perhaps had a really difficult upbringing with a parent. And I think it just empowers you to realize that that it's not, you're not doing something wrong. You're not at fault for needing to protect your peace from that just because this is a parent. So for those that don't know you, can you tell us a bit about what you do? It's, 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 it's probably the hardest question I get asked, right? What do I do? Um, as a resilience coach, I do I, do, I work with a lot of uh, organizations, um, helping them to sort of understand themselves a bit better, to be honest with you. I, I mean, what that really is, is I take the healing work into into organizations, right? And, 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 and it's sort of called resilience work when I do it. So I, I, there's that arm of what I do, but then on a like personal work basis, I work with groups of people normally in very different capacities, again, to really help them to come back to themselves, to understand who they are, to realize that I believe so many of our struggles make perfect sense when we when we see our experience in its entirety. Um, and I do a lot of content creation alongside all of that as well. And a lot of that content, as you've said, is, is based around either toxic parents or dysfunctional um, dysfunctional systems as a whole. So yeah, that's kind of like an overview of a lot of the different things that I get to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think when I first discovered you, you were talking about that dysfunctional family system, that toxic parent. I think it was, I got sent one of your videos so many times because I talk about my experience with toxic family I talk about my experience growing up within dysfunctional family units. And one of the videos that was sent to me so much came off the back of a post I did about people saying, but it's your mum, but mm. it's your dad. You know, you can't cut them off. That's, that's so wrong. They're the only one you get. And it was sent to me so many times because it really struck a chord with people. I think it's incredibly difficult when you go down the path of cutting ties with a toxic parent or with a parent in general, if the relationship is not working and you're not seeing that meeting halfway. How did you get into talking about difficult family relationships and di dynamics? So I've, it, I've always, uh, in the work that I've done, I've always talked about family dysfunction, all right? Um, 
but it started off really, I grew up with, my dad was an alcoholic. So my dad died when I was like nine years old. And so I started working with a charity that supports children affected by a parent's drinking called the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. I've been an ambassador with them for a number of years, but I've volunteered with them for like maybe eight or nine years now. Um, and I had a big realization when I found them where I, I used to think that there was just something wrong with me. I used to think that I was kind of defective and turned up to the world in a, you know, I had bad wiring or something like that. Um, and what I realized through working with Nakoa is that actually a lot of the ways that I feel and my behaviors and all of that makes sense based on that environment that I grew up in. And so I started talking more openly about that um, and the impacts that I believe that it had on me. And what I realized is that there's like a whole spectrum of this. And I, and, and I think like a lot of my experiences though extreme when I was younger, a lot of people related to. So that's kind of how I got into talking about family dysfunction. The way the toxic parent stuff came about, uh, I was literally doing a live and I sort of create bits of content out of my lives. And I think the video probably that you're talking about is this this particular video that about 18 months ago was viewed like 10 million times. I was basically asked on a live, um, like, what what do I think about people who cut their parents out of their life? And I said something along the lines of like, for some people, it's literally the only option, right? It's that they literally don't have any other option. And, and we live in a world where for some reason, uh, when it's a parent, we seem to protect the abuser in nearly every single case uh, or, or not or and expect the abused in this case to be the one who somehow makes sure that that relationship can can carry on. And I talked about that and it, and it had a, like, you know, it clearly had a massive reaction. And then I talked about it previously about three or four years ago about cutting a alcoholic parent, specifically an alcoholic parent out. And I talked about how, you know, again, it's the only option for some people. And it was just from there, really, where like I realized that it resonated with people and, you know, with the, the sort of knowledge that I already had of family dysfunction and stuff like that, I realized that there was a need to talk about it more. Um, and so, yeah, it's just sort of built from there, really. Yeah, there really is a need to talk about it more. And this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast and in my content, because you get so often the, oh, we don't air your dirty laundry. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be talking about that because it's a family thing. And I think when we talk about abusive spouses or uh, perhaps difficult relationships with friends, maybe you have a friend who isn't treating you very well, the advice is always, you know, walk away, protect yourself. But when it comes to parents, as you quite rightly say, we're so keen to protect the abuser in that situation and in protecting them we've developed this society where we have a let's not talk about it rule it's meant mm -hmm. to be kept in the family and I find lots of people even if they're open to sort of saying all oh, right okay you've not got contact with your parent that's awkward but none, none of my business whatever when you start to talk about your experiences that's when there's a real pushback and a real, you shouldn't air your dirty laundry. You must uh, respect that parent. You must keep quiet about things. Do you find that you get a lot of that, that you get a lot of, oh, it's airing dirty laundry. You shouldn't talk about that. Yeah, like I get a range of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I get like hardened abuse a lot from a lot mm. of people who just outright, I mean, are horrible about it, which 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 is kind of one thing. And then you get the low end of the spectrum, which is like 
maybe more like what you're referring to here, which is potentially quite nice people, right? Mm -hmm. But for some reason they, and I think maybe we'll talk about it, but I, 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 I think I know some of the reasons or I can be, I can see some of the reasons why people do it. But yeah, I get a lot of that. Yeah, I get a lot of like um, making excuses for them. You know, maybe you need to understand them a bit more and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, maybe you shouldn't talk about this so openly. But look, what I think is really, really important is that in any relationship, any relationship, and I believe this to be true, any loving relationship, right? Be that a family relationship, be that a a romantic relationship, be that a loving friendship, right? Um, a, a healthy, in a healthy relationship, you should be able to talk about that relationship away from that relationship with other people with whom you trust, right? I have children myself. Uh, I actively encourage my children. If there's anything ever that I do in my life, yeah, in your life that 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 makes you feel uncomfortable, and, and for whatever reason, you don't feel comfortable coming to me to talk about it. Talk to somebody else about it. Go and talk to somebody about it. Explain what, what, what I'm doing and why it makes you uncomfortable. Like, do all of that. The reason I do that is because I know that I've got nothing to hide, right? Yeah. I've also done a little bit of work or quite a lot of work on my own shadow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I could be, you know, they could go to somebody who could then sit me in a room and say, they're saying this about you. Right. And I would. I would have enough about me to 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 try and look that in the face. I think a lot of people are terrified of their own shadow. They are terrified of the dark parts of themselves that come out in parenting. Because oh, yeah. I don't care what anybody says. The worst parts of me come out when the door closes and I'm at home on my own with my family. I wish that wasn't the case, but it is the case. Mm. Um I know that having done some work on myself, I you know, can even recognize how and why that happens. I think most people are terrified, terrified of people seeing who they are behind the closed door. And so that's why we have this, what I think is quite dysfunctional, toxic idea that when the door's closed, we must keep all of that inside because we're terrified of other people seeing it. Yeah, I spoke about this with my eldest and I'd said to him, we were talking about counselling and I'd said to him, well, actually, I think everybody should be encouraged to do some kind of therapy, some kind of, you know, talk to people about things. He was like, isn't that just for crazy people? And I have no idea where that notion came from for my 12 year old. I was like, dude, what? I, I'm, you know, I'm looking to train to become a counsellor and that's I, I go to therapy you know that about me and he went oh yeah but I thought I thought that that was because you had to have something wrong I was like no not necessarily you know if you want to work on yourself understand yourself a bit better people go to therapy for a range of reasons and it could be really empowering for people and we had a chat about it but there is almost this notion that there is parts of yourself you can hide and I love what you said about the worst of ourselves comes out in parenting because I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that I find the most difficult is when I show up as my parents, as a yeah. parent, it's mm -hmm. really, really hard. And you do because that's the blueprint that you're working off and you have to really unpick it. For anybody who is not familiar with shadow work, can you explain a little bit about how that works and what you did? Well, there's there's lots of different um modalities for looking at our shadow my favorite one is ifs internal family systems but it's the understanding that we all have parts of ourselves now often when people talk about shadow they will 
uh, talk about the kind of dark, difficult parts of themselves. I actually think there's a range of parts of ourselves that exist. We are more, we show up as more version, more than one version of ourselves. Um, but I guess like some of the real tricky shadow work is understanding those darker parts of themselves. A bit like you said, right, that there is a version of myself that is very much like um, perhaps my dad, right? And where I create that same dysfunction that I grew up in, I recreate it. And I almost have a sense of knowing in when it's happening that I'm doing it and I can't sort of stop it. And then I mm. would lay in bed at night and think, God, I'm, you know, so awful. But the way that we combat that and the way that you, you know, the antidote to that is to try and reduce the shame around it, is to be able to talk about it, right? Is to is to not hide it, is to be able to stand in front of other people and go, you know what? I think I get this parenting thing right 20% of the time. The other 80% of the time, I'm almost certain I mess it up. And, and maybe 10 or 20% of that 80% when I mess it up, I mess it up real bad and I'm really, really not nice. I think that's the truth of parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I get a lot of backlash from people saying, oh, you must be a perfect parent. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Not, like, you know, I'm not remotely asking for perfection remotely. In fact, I think we're all bad parents, actually. Like, um, I think, no, that's, that's a sweeping statement. When I say we're all bad parents, I, what I mean is I think we all get it wrong most of the yeah. time. I think that, you know, but, but, but for me, what I do is I revisit my children as much as I can. I go back and I say, look, this is what this is where I messed up. I understand all this. And I'm actively working on myself. You know, I'm actively working on myself. And the type of parents that I'm talking about when I say toxic parents are the complete opposite of that. Mm -hmm. when, when, and this is, look, another reason I think, I think people really struggle to comprehend one, quite how bad a parent can be. I think some people really struggle to comprehend that. Um, and two, I think people look at all the mistakes they've made and think, God, if my child, my child might think I'm toxic if they listed them all out. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, this isn't what we're talking about. This yeah. isn't what we're talking about. And by the way, a toxic parent wouldn't even remotely think my child will think I'm toxic if they listed them all out. They wouldn't have that reflection at all. Right. Yeah. Um, and so in a way, it's I get that people almost would never be able to comprehend it but but that doesn't mean that we can't talk and you know you can't raise consciousness for the people that are experiencing it exactly and I think it's it's really interesting one I kind of think well you know the fact that you could never get it and the fact that you don't get it so deeply that you just think but it's your mum because I used to think like that when I was incredibly enmeshed with my mum and I just saw her as this absolutely otherworldly wonderful human being who was the best thing since sliced bread until I started to gain my own independence and then her more toxic traits came to the forefront as opposed to just being very sneaky from behind and the fact that people can't get it what what a privilege to not be able to get it because when you do it's it can be so encompassing in your life. It can be so difficult to navigate when you really look back at your experiences as a child with a different lens and think, God, you know, that that was really inappropriate. That was really difficult. And I think a lot of it comes to the forefront when you have your own kids and start to think, I wouldn't do that to them. I would never behave that way to them. And you are absolutely right. All of us have it within us to be that bad parent. All of us have it within us to be that parent that doesn't give a crap, doesn't isn't interested at all in whether or not they've caused harm or they've hurt 
or they've damaged their child in any way. But it's in that accountability and it's in that revisiting and it's in that wanting to be better and wanting to be different and coming back to the kids and saying, hey, look, I was having a bad day yesterday and I messed up and I'm really sorry about that. You know, I shouldn't have spoken to you in that way. And moving forwards, that's something that having a toxic parent, you simply don't experience. And that's the bit that's missing. That's the bit that's different. You just don't experience those moments of accountability because we all mess up. I think perfection can, in a, in a way, be quite damaging because we're if we're always trying to aspire to it, we're never going to get there. We're human beings mm. at the end of the day. It's impossible to actually be perfect, to never have an off day, to never mess up. How do you navigate speaking to, you talk about doing group work. What kind of group work is it that you do when you do this kind of thing? There's a range of different different things that I do. Um, but the main, like if I look at the Inner You program that I run um, within the group spaces like that, um, I always allow whoever is sharing, right? In a group space, whoever is sharing and whoever is talking, their, their experience is their experience, right? So in a like in a group space, I'm never, you know, I'm never pushing anything on anyone. Really, a group space is much more about you know, it, this is your space and your space to explore with curiosity what you're thinking, experience, and feeling. And I always say to everybody that's listening within a group situation, if you start getting triggered by what somebody's saying, then you know, have a look at yourself and sort of question why is that? Why am I uncomfortable with that? And like you know a particular example of this is in a groups group situation uh with some of the work that i do i remember in one time in one session that i always deliver and i always talk about how it's really dysfunctional with to teach children that they should back their family no matter what right um and like that it's really dysfunctional um to teach ch people that no matter what you know you should really always have your family's back mm. and you no matter what group of people you've got there will be a lot of people in that group that are really they're annoyed with that they're uncomfortable it makes them really uncomfortable right and they're like no i can't i, can't, I don't understand you know and and, it, and they'll say and these people have been through difficult stuff you know they'll say i've been through some really horrible stuff with my parent or whatever but i'd never you know i will back them because they're my mum or they're my dad yeah and i'm like well that's like that's great that that's great right and i think power to you if that's where you're at i'm never against anybody doing that right i'm not i think it's dysfunctional that's an opinion of mine but i'm not against somebody doing it what i am against is them doing it and then believing that people that don't do it shouldn't are or are wrong yeah yeah Very um, much and so so, so that, that, that it can be hard to manage in those situations but listen i think true healing happens in groups being witnessed mm -hmm. and navigating what that means yeah and i think if anybody can't navigate that then i think they'll always struggle to heal anyway it goes back to the feeling triggered and and having people leaving the kind of comments because they feel like oh god if my my kids listed all of these things they'd think i was toxic because we fear our own selves and we fear our own dark side and i do agree with you on that i think this is why i wanted to set up unfollowing mum was so that people who have been in these experiences who have experienced dysfunction who have experienced toxic family who have experienced abuse can come and say actually no i, I feel seen actually 
people mm. don't talk about this kind of thing. And I do think there is real power in community and real power in healing as a group and saying, okay, yeah, I'm not alone in this. Mm. There is some power in that. Yeah. And I think, look, when I look at my big breakthroughs that I've had on my own journey over the years, they nearly always follow a moment of feeling annoyed with somebody else and their view or their opinion. Right. And then mm -hmm. I sit with it and I'm annoyed at them and I want to call them out. And then I realize here's what's going on here. I'm annoyed because I've been putting forward at one opinion and their opinion has been put forward and it's challenged my own. And I, I need to go through a period of change here. So like that happens to me all of the time, but, but, you know, when I look at the people that comment on my stuff and they do, and you know, you get such a range of comments and, Sometimes I'll get people that will say, you know, they'll start off by saying this is ridiculous. And I can't believe that Instagram is showing me this tripe and how can yeah. you believe? And then they go on to write this big, long paragraph. Right. And my first thought is always, if you think it's that ridiculous, what like mm. it's made you stop. Yeah. And when you're scrolling on your social media, it's very difficult to get people to stop. Yeah? It's very difficult. Right. People don't stop unless something happens in them that goes, I'm going to stay and watch this video. So rather than writing a massive long paragraph and putting capital letters and that in it, right? Why don't you reflect? Why don't you ask yourself, why is this really, really annoyed me, right? Mm -hmm. And if it really is because you're a good person and you think the content that I'm putting out is horrific and it needs to be countered, then great, you know, comment on it. Maybe go and make your own video as well that counters what I say, right? But... I don't believe that's the real reason that they, they go on this tirade, right? And mostly it's because, like you say, because it's it's affected them in this way. And listen, you can very, very quickly shut these people down, or not shut them down, but, you know, I will one line answer some of these comments sometimes. And I'll say, you know, just to be clear, are you saying that you think that anyone that has an abusive parent should stay in that abusive relationship? And, they and don't immediately, know how, like, yeah. They don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Never. Or it's, well, of course not, but this isn't real abuse. This is, there's no such thing as emotional abuse. It's just, you know, no no people who have had proper abuse, that's different. And then it yeah. becomes competitive. And I think there's there's a real attitude in society that abuse is almost like a competition. Oh, well, they had it a bit worse. Yeah. It was a bit, it was a bit worse for them, like... That was just emotional abuse. And I spoke to a, a psychologist called Helen Villers, who specializes in narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. And she'd said, emotional abuse is the cornerstone for all abuse. All of it starts there. You don't have any other type of abuse without that as a starting point. That's where mm. it begins and carries on through. And we have to give it the same level of authority the same level of respect and the same treatment to people who have experienced deep emotional abuse especially as children who have grown up with it thinking that that's their norm because like you said at the beginning you very incorrectly assume that it's you and that you're just hardwired wrong and that the problem is with you and that's a part of growing up through emotional abuse growing up through those toxic and difficult experiences yeah, and, and like, you know, the fact that when you're born, you know, you we are wired to connect, to attach to our parents or, you know, our caregivers at the time. It's like biologically, that's exactly what we do, right? So the enmeshment is bound to follow. You have to blame yourself because 
it's not safe as a child if you're three years old to you know four years old to start realizing that your mum or your dad is so toxically abusive right it's not safe even to, for you to realize that because you're still desperately trying to attach to them so you have to make it your fault right so so you're already growing up with this difficulty and then the systems and the communities that we exist in in today's world will only ever tell you that it can't be your parent mm. right so if you're eight nine years old and your mum or your dad is emotionally abusive what are you going to do about that because if you tell anybody we live in like and so who are you likely to tell if you have no extended family which there's a good chance that you don't at the moment and if you do then they are probably in somehow enmeshed with your toxic parent anyway, right? So you can't yeah. really go to them. Although, let me caveat that by saying, I've met lots and lots of people who have been much less impacted by their childhoods, not, not impacted, much less severely impacted because they had an auntie or an uncle or somebody who was awake to what their parent was like and mm. did just enough for them. Yeah, to let them know that it wasn't them very early on so they could start navigating that very early on, right? So it has a huge impact when that happens. But the likelihood is that you're not going to have that. Yeah. And you're not going to tell anybody at school because the first thing the school have to do is safeguarding and contact your parents. And if you've got a, if you've got a toxic parent, you best believe and understand that that is not going to go down well at all. Yeah, that is going to perpetuate the abuse. And you know it. The the one of the greatest powers in emotional abuse is the control that it has over you. Yeah. And and, and what it will make you do as a child and, and as an adult, by the way, what it will make you think about yourself, the lies that it will make you tell and believe so that they don't even feel like lies. Yeah. So so people don't I think the people that haven't experienced it, they don't understand the, the levels and the depths that this that this goes to right people i don't think people do understand that and we live in a world and as well not a world but a society and a culture at least in western culture where you almost have no chance as a child no chance at the moment other than to reach adulthood and hope that you wake up to this and then start a lifetime of work trying to unpick it that's the only route at the moment, yeah, with the, yeah. you know, and that sounds horrible because it is, mm. it that, is. because it is horrible. Mm. It is horrible. And it is as well, a lifetime of unpicking it. I get quite a lot of people that'll say, oh, well, if you're so healed now, and I'm like, no, 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 healing, you forever will spend the rest of your life. And again, that sounds really depressing and, oh God, there's no end in sight. There is, because with each step that you make, things become a little bit clearer, life becomes a little bit different. It's like taking glasses off slowly and seeing more and more color with each different step that you take. And that's wonderful, but it is a lifetime of living with it, unpicking it. Even now I will say things sometimes and get looks from friends or people I was speaking to somebody one of my kids had a football tournament at the weekend and I was speaking to one of the other mums who is a social worker and we're talking about school and not attending and she said oh I've got a kid at the minute who they've got like 40% attendance at school bless them and they're just not really they're not coping very well so I'm offering some support there and hopefully we can get them back on track and I said oh I had about I think I had 22 at my lowest point and she just looked at me and went really 
was that were you ill and I was like no I didn't want to go and there was no one there to say to me you have to go so I would just and she said but were you left at home I was like well yeah obviously and Mm. she was just like Harriet in today your parent would be in jail or your parent would be in court and I'd said to her I think the teacher had pulled in um they'd pulled in my mum and they'd pulled in a social worker who was there and you best believe the hell I got when my mum got home from that meeting one because it meant she'd had to leave work and two because there'd been a social worker there and it was embarrassing for her to have to speak to somebody like a bad parent and now as an adult you look and you're like it's because you were a fucking bad parent like you were terrible and yet at the time the shame I felt and this is not as a small child either this is a sort of a 14 15 year old who is that little bit older has that bit more independence and it was me I was so consumed with self-blame and that's what it does to you it Mm. relentlessly makes you think that it is your fault that it's you that's done all the things wrong and I look at my now 12 year old who will say to me without fail every morning I want to go to school today and I'm like dude you've got to go and I've got to make you even if I've got to take you by the hand I'm there to be your advocate if you're having problems, if you're being bullied, if you're not getting on with the teacher, whatever. I'm there to be your advocate, but I've also got to get your bum into that school because that's really important for your development. And it's it's not easy, mm. but it's something that I didn't have. And I think becoming a parent, you start to look back at your experiences through a totally different lens. Yeah, I think eventually you do. Um, and I, I guess what's sad as well is that sometimes it takes quite a bit of parenthood for people to even realize that right Mm -hmm. I see people waking up to it even after parenthood right and realize it and and realizing after that and then realizing that perhaps they've parented their children in the same way because it was the only way they knew and this is how this stuff perpetuates right until you start talking about it and we start having proper conversations about it and we start raising the awareness that it's quite, you know, it's quite a simple thing, really. Everybody knows that, I think I say this all the time, but everybody knows that horrible people exist, mm. right? People can't wait to clamber online and talk about horrible people and, like, you know, put them down. And, and, and these people have kids. Like, most of them have kids. So, like, when you put things clearly like that, I, I can't see, any, I, I don't see how anybody could explain away what we're saying. But, but if you're not impacted by it, I think most people would rather turn a blind eye because because to see it and to look at it in its entirety is just awful to think that that's what that's what so many children are experiencing, and it is unfortunately a lot of people. It this is. is like I wish this was isolated, mm-hmm. but it ain't. But it ain't. And 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 look, the worst part—not the worst part—I say the worst part all of the time because all of it's so bad but these toxic parents that i'm talking about are normally like uh really high regard highly regarded in every other aspect of their life you know they're normally sort of like charitable people who will you know um be abusing toxically abusing their children at home ridiculously and then you know being involved in charity every other day and you know posting themselves online showing how amazing and wonderful they are right and you know and and that's true in most of the cases as well which makes it even harder you know i think some of these are great at going up to school and you know 
making themselves the victim and how hard it is for them to look after this child. And they will let the child think that the child is the problem, right? So the child just doesn't just come up with that themselves. The parent will do that as well themselves, you know? Yeah, that there is that reinforced message. And I hear this a lot, especially from people who speak to me who have uh, neurodivergence, that they were difficult or that they were the problem or that they were just too much for their parent to look after. And that is how the abuse began or how the abuse continued because it was them. You were just too much. You were just too difficult. You were just, oh, so hard. And I look at my own children and think I could never bear the thought of you thinking that way about yourself ever mm. I want you to know that relationships have ups and downs yes you're going to piss me off and I'm going to do the same to you because that is a human relationship and that's normal and that's okay and we can come together and talk about it afterwards maybe we need 10 minutes to breathe I'm not going to give you the silent treatment I'm not going to make you feel afraid but that doesn't mean there's something fundamentally wrong with you and for a mm. child to truly believe that there is something fundamentally fundamentally wrong with them, that message is coming from somewhere and it's not just the internal message either. No, no, the, the, the parent will feed it. And that's one of the, you know, when you think about things like mental health struggles and neurodivergence, neurodiversity and stuff like that, these people will take those and use those to their advantage, right? Either by... You know, they will, I guarantee you, and this is this is why these things become really difficult to talk about, right? Because what I'm about to say will make the people that truly suffer with these things almost feel like I'm diminishing what they're saying, and I'm not, right? What I'm actually doing is trying to talk about how the things that they struggle with are used, right? And then it does, but it's the use of them that diminishes them. So let me say what I mean, and then that might make sense. But the toxic parent will, will nearly always claim that they've got cptsd right yeah. they will say that they've got them things they will say that they've got i don't know bipolar right they're going to tell you that they've been in narcissistic abusive relationships repeatedly right so the parent themselves are going to do that and then they are also going to take some of these things and push them on their kids yeah mm -hmm. a, a toxic parent will push for their child to be neurodivergent because it helps them with their story right and the point i was making before i said all of that is that it it causes an issue for the people that truly suffer with those things when people like this are taking them because they're going to take them and they're going to be the ones that shout the loudest about them and and so like this is this is the reality this is why i talk about like toxic spirituality and stuff like that is because when i look online uh, and i i feel i'm right here i sort of worry about saying it but a lot of the people talking about narcissistic abuse online, I watch them and I think you, I know who, what you are. Yeah? Mm. You are one of them. You're one of them. You're one of the people that you're trying to talk about. So it gets yeah. like, that's why sometimes when you look out online, it, it can be like, it's crazy because so many of the toxic people that we're talking about, that you're talking about yeah, are disguised as the people like me. People mm. like me and you, yeah? yeah. Just it's like it's a minefield in some ways, and really, really hard to talk about, yeah. Because it because is. of that reason, because of that reason, it is. It's really difficult, and it's interesting when you say that. And I hear this a lot, where people will say, "But I had so much trauma when I was a child, and I have this, and I have that." And it's like, yeah, okay, that's great. I also had a lot of trauma as a child, 
I've also been told by psychologists I could look for a diagnosis for CPTSD. That doesn't excuse me if I then choose to do the same to my children because of my trauma. That doesn't then excuse me from doing the work because the work is really bloody hard. That's not what these things are meant to be there for. That's not what these things are meant to be about. They are meant to be there to offer people a label for understanding so that they can work through these things and so that they can access the help that they actually need, not used as an excuse. And you find that people who genuinely have these experiences, who genuinely have these disorders, whatever it might be, they're not using it as an excuse at all, by any shape or mean. They're using it because they need that in order to access the help that they get. And you find when people are using it as an excuse, oh, well, I, I, I did this with my child and they've cut me off because, you know, but I had so much trauma growing up and I have this and I have that. No, it's not an excuse. And no. it's never been intended to be used as such. And that makes it 10 times more difficult for people who do have these experiences to access the help that they maybe need. And I think this is the thing, right? There's a there's a big difference between an excuse and a reason. Mm. Yeah, I can say, like, look at me, right? Uh, I went on to have addiction struggles myself, right? I had a problem. I was an alcoholic when I was a father, yeah? And so I can look back now and I can say to you that when my children were born, the, the negative impact that I had on their life, alcoholism and addiction played a huge part in that. Yeah. Mm. As did I play a huge part in the negative impact they had on them. And I can look at my own trauma and I can understand how I got myself to the place that I did as a result of that trauma and all of that kind of stuff. Or trauma played a huge role in all of that. Right. The reason I can do that is because I know that I'm actively working on myself. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I can look at who I was when I was 21 and being the person that I was, and I can look with compassion, knowing, knowing the, 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 the role that trauma played in all of that. Yeah. Uh, I can look with compassion when we're talking about people who are repeatedly abusive and are making zero attempt, zero attempt to even glance at their own side in this. Yeah. Then, then when they are talking about the, you know, the, the trauma, and I get this all of the time, people say to me, you need to understand that these parents have probably been through their trauma themselves. And I'm like, I do understand that. Mm-hmm. I do understand that, right? But it doesn't mean that they get to continue to do what they are. It does mean that, like, take them in isolation. I can go, you know what? If you Show me the, the, the child that they were, yeah? And I'll have compassion for that child. And, and right now, this person is abusive and there is, they are abusing somebody else. So my compassion is targeted to the person that they're abusing because that's how we're going to create change here. Because, because another horrible, horrible truth about the parents and the people that I'm talking about is, and and people won't like me for saying this either. They will never change. They will never change. And and, and, and again, look, when I talk about things like addiction, because I know that I was one of these people, I know there's lots of people that are like I was and are trapped and are these parents, right? And they might be trapped in addiction and people might have to go no contact because this person is trapped in addiction. But 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 you might, you know, I will meet people and they will say, my parents trapped in addiction, but, but I know they're a good person. And I think that's true with a lot of them. And uh, cutting ties might be the only thing while they're still in active addiction, right? But some people are, are, are taken down by addiction and it's horrible because they're an amazing person. And there's also people who are trapped in addiction and are also horrible people, Yeah. even without the addiction, right? And 
this is like this is what I always try and do, right? And, and I know that the truth hurts a lot. The truth is not very nice sometimes, but I will speak it. I will speak what I believe to be the truth because the only way I've been able to heal myself and to play a role in the healing journey that all of my children will have to find themselves on is by being gut level honest with myself. And if that means I have to look myself in the mirror and not be very happy with what I see, then that's what it means, right? And, and But that's the difference. That's, that's the, difference. the difference that, that self-reflection you know it's that self-reflection and it's that willingness to change and I spoke to a brilliant lady called Helen Rabbit and Helen was wonderful to speak to she is also a child whose parent is an alcoholic is still in active addiction and she said but the thing is people will use that almost as a weapon against me to say but she's she's an alcoholic you know you got to cut her some slack but she's also a really horrible person when she's sober and she yeah. will never change that never she's abusive when she's sober she's neglectful when she's sober but people will weaponize that addiction to say but she's an addict oh you've got mm. to think of that and it was such an insightful chat with her because she'd said you know it's horrible people are horrible people regardless of their demons and all the rest of it and yes we can have compassion and understanding for that but if there is no willingness to be accountable for the damage that you're causing there's no interest in changing there's no desire to be better or to be different for yourself and for your children then that's never going to change. And I think that's a real hard reality to come to terms with because you spend so much of your time thinking, well, maybe they'll maybe they'll work on themselves or maybe they mean it this time. And we see it regardless of what type of abusive relationship it is. Maybe they'll mean it this time. Maybe this time it'll be better. And I have loads of people that will say to me, I cut contact with my mum, but we've just started to talk again. And actually I'm seeing a few red flags here, but I'm just hoping that she's changed. No, she hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you that you've got to find that out for yourself, but no, they, ha they haven't changed. And that's the reality of it. And that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And and these people that, you know, these toxic people that we're talking about, they know how and when to turn it on. Mm -hmm. They know when the doors open a little bit and you know, how, you know, how long they might need to keep on the, the charm offensive or whatever it is that they're using to get the foot back in the door. And I think, you know, again, this is why, it's such a difficult conversation is because the healing space is so big now and it's great that it is. There's lots of people in the healing space that are promoting finding ways to stay in these abusive mm. relationships through love and forgiveness and seeing the good in even the most horrible people and all of that stuff. And listen, if people find um, comfort in that and it works for them, then it's, it's great, right? That's yeah. power to them and all of that sort of stuff. But I know I did it at the beginning when I first started my journey, what, like 11 years, 12 years ago, whatever. I know I was just chronic people pleasing, but under a new character, right? And like, I look at my life today and people, you know, what I've learned on my own healing journey is about how I, I'm loving and compassionate, but I don't have enough love and compassion to go around the whole world. Yeah. yeah. You, you can talk about people of the past, Gandhi and or like, I, maybe they had that. I haven't got it. Yeah, I have not got it right. I've got enough love and compassion for the people who really care about me and who I really am. And I'll give it to them in abundance. Yeah. And then that's it. Right. In terms of my own personal space, I think community should be built with um, bigger like groups of people. I'll support lots of people through the work that I do. That's different to my own personal inner yes. circle, my own personal inner circle. You know, I talked about the group work that I do earlier. 
in that group space, everybody has their autonomy and gets gets to you know be supported and led down whatever path and ever journey they want to go down. And in my own life, if I meet somebody and very very quickly I get a sense of this ain't something ain't right here, I'm gone. Yeah, like you you won't be in my life and like people struggle with that. And I think they yeah. struggle with it because deep down, if they scratch hard enough and look further enough, it's because they wish they could be like that too. But they still got these people pleasing tendencies within them that stop them being like that. Yeah, and I don't. I think we've got an attitude now that there's there's almost something wrong with that. It's like, oh, you, you must have an avoidant attachment style. And it, no, mm. not at all. I have a. I'm going to protect my peace. Thank you. Style. <laughs> I yeah. have a. I get a bad vibe from you, and I don't have the capacity to tolerate your bullshit style. I have yeah. a. I've done this. I see that red flag. I'm okay without that in my life now. Style. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, and with saying, okay, this is my space. This is for me to protect my peace. And as you say, within work, very different. You've, you know, you've got oodles of compassion for this, but within your own personal life, there is this myth that you have to be forgiving to other people, that you have to be compassionate to everybody, that you have to understand. You can be those things whilst also removing yourself from the situation. I look at my own personal experience and I don't owe my mum forgiveness and I don't need to forgive her in order to work on myself and heal for the way that she treated me growing up. And that's something that I feel very strongly about. I think forgiveness is quite often used as almost like a linchpin to say, you know, you can't do anything else until you've forgiven this. No, not at all. I can move away from that experience with my mum and I don't owe her forgiveness for the way that she treated me as a child. I don't owe her forgiveness for that. I just don't want her in my life. And that's that. Yeah. That's that's the end of it. And, and good for you on that. You know, look, I think the big red flag with forgiveness is that I say to anybody, if you use the word forgiveness and you forgive the person, right? Whatever that means to you. Because a lot of people will say to me, when I talk about forgiveness, and I talk about it in similar ways to you, people will say to me, you know, forgiveness is not about them. It's about letting go of... And I'm like, well, yeah, if that's how you see it, then maybe what me and you are just talking about here, right? Maybe that, maybe then we are forgiveness. But, I, you know, I don't think you... One, I don't think you need to put the word to it. And two, the real red flag is, I think, like everything, right? Do what you want with forgiveness, right? If it, Do what you want and find what works for you. But if you can't help yourself but to poke and prod somebody else to make them forgive and start to sort of, you know, slightly almost uh, subliminally and sort of passively put other people down who haven't mm -hmm. done forgiveness, then you're showing me a red flag, right? And the red flag to me is you got an issue with forgiveness, not me. Yes. Because I've got, I've had toxic people in my life, right? In my case, it's not actually my parents, right? Necessarily, my, my dad died when I was young and so I don't sort of know the levels of toxicity that he had. I'm told he wasn't toxic, right? But but I was a child, I don't really remember that. But but I've had extremely toxic people in my life, right? I don't forgive them, not remotely. And there's nothing that they could do, actually, that would let me forgive them, would make me forgive them. And they also have no hold over my life whatsoever. Yeah. Right? Now, that's just how I deal with it, right? Um, when I say they have no hold over my life, some of the people that I'm talking about are still involved in my life in certain ways. And so mm -hmm. they, they, they do to a degree, but it's nothing yes. to do with forgiveness. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, but, but I don't push that on somebody else. I don't go, well, well, you've forgiven. Actually, what you should do is not forgive and just do this. Right. I don't do that because I'm quite comfortable with where I'm at now. Listen, tomorrow I might wake up and change my mind. 
have power to it. And I might say, oh my God, it's forgiveness is what I've needed. And and I might do that, right? But yeah. but to bring it back, because I've gone a long way right, right around the houses to say this, the red flag is the people that can't drop it. Because I'll get people that say to me, well, forgiveness is this. And I go, all right, cool. And they go, yeah, but that's what you should do. And I go, well, maybe I will one day. And they're like, no, but like, and I think, why are you still like, you're, mm. you've got a problem with forgiveness here because I don't have a problem with what I've got today. Yeah? Yes. Something's going on here. And what I think it is, is like a form of toxic positivity in their case. It's, it's mm. bypassing, spiritual bypassing, emotional bypassing, whatever you want to call it. Right? I think what's going on is your ability to be like you just said, which is very clear. This is where I'm at. I don't need that makes them feel uncomfortable with their own forgiveness. Yeah? yeah. And and so if they if I'm uncomfortable with my own methodology that I'm using, I might at first do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah. eventually the work has taught me, okay, you keep doing that down. Something's going on here because you keep bringing it back up and you won't let it drop. So why aren't you letting it drop? And this is me talking to myself. And then I go, okay, it's because I've got a problem with it, not them. You know, does that make sense? I know. Yeah. I've sort of no, it does. On that a bit. It does make sense. It's when you can't let go of it, when you keep going at it, going at it, going at it. That's because it's not working for you. It's got nothing yeah. to do with the person that you're going at or the person that you're trying to change their mind. It's because there's something with you. And you've got to sit with that. You've got to work with it. And you've got to find yeah. a way that works for you. And that might not be with forgiveness. And it might be. It doesn't make any difference to me. But it's when you need to push it onto somebody else. Before we round up, there was one thing that I wanted to chat to you about. And I think it's going to be a brief chat um, when it could be a full length episode on its own, I'm sure. But when I look at this space where we are talking about toxic family, where we are talking about dysfunction, I often see a lot of female voices, but I don't see a lot of male voices. And I find that very interesting. I have a lot of people who will come to me and say, oh, my, my spouse has this really difficult relationship with his mother, or my partner has this, or my brother has experienced a really difficult time with our parents, but he won't open up about it. You know, we're both cut off from them. Is there anything that I can do for them? And I think it's really interesting that it seems to be quite a female dominated space when we're talking about family dysfunction. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I think you're right to say that we could do a whole podcast on mm. it, right? Maybe we'll have to come back and do a round two as well, by the way. Um, I think there's loads of different reasons for it. I think I think men have a tendency to hold things in and then become angry and become angry at the world. So rather than sort of talking about it, they become more angry about it. I think there's extra layers, layers of complexity when it's a man who has a toxic mother Mm -hmm. very very and i don't say this from a kind of um repressed thinking i'm a repressed male here or that the world that you're right i'm not saying that i understand where we're at with all this kind of stuff but it would be very it's very difficult for a man to come out and put a woman that's raised him down yeah right mm -hmm. it'd be yeah. very very difficult to say that in a way that would be accepted right certainly would feel that way so I think there's a layer of complexity with that. Um, and then I think I think men in general, like I run a men's space once a month. And what I do find there is that a lot of the men are very, very open in the space, shoulder to shoulder together, but publicly nothing. You'll get nothing from them. 
Mm. Um, so, so in some way, and I look at, if I look at the numbers that we've been doing that for like 18 months, right. If I look at the numbers of men that have come through there and the way that they effort, effort, effortlessly open up to me about that stuff in there and to other men in the, in the group, but are saying nothing about it publicly. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's something there that they're not talking openly about it. And that maybe they, maybe they, they air it in different ways. But I don't know. I think it's a good question. I mean, look, look, even not just talking about it, but even when I look at my audience online is mostly female, like like 83%, I think, on Instagram. So so there is a massive discrepancy there. And I know I get a lot of, they call it lurkers, don't they? But like secret follow people who don't follow me, but go men who yeah. don't follow me, but go and look at my content because mm-hmm. they don't even want to be seen to be following it. Yeah. I've um, had that a few times where people will say, "Oh, yeah, I follow you from from this account, but I don't I don't follow you from my main one because I don't want people to know that it's yeah, yeah." And I think this 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 you know there's stuff around um, the way the pressures that society puts, and the man is supposed to be the one that's supposed to be able to sort it out. I think all of that stuff is in there as well. Um, but I but I do think it's changing. Like I do think it's changing. I think a lot of men are starting to work on themselves and wake up to this stuff as well. Um, which is great, but it's hard, man. I mean, you know, there's not many people at all talking about it, is there? Like, no. there's not many of us that, like, when I look out online and and see that, when I do see people talking about it, um, normally, like, you know, I check it out because it, because you don't see much of it. Not really explicitly talking about it anyway. No, you don't. And I do think, you know, it's it's difficult. It, well, it's a shame to know that there are not men feeling as much support, perhaps, for for themselves or identifying with people as much. I see a lot of books aimed at daughters of narcissistic mothers or daughters of toxic family, but often less that are specifically aimed at sons of this. And I think it's a very different dynamic as well. I think men that I have spoken to have a very different dynamic when they have a toxic mother. And I see so much more for perhaps sons and fathers, not having that father figure, not having that male role model, but less for sons of daughter, sons of toxic mothers and it is yeah. interesting what you say about not being able to say well you know this I speak out against this woman that is really interesting I do think that's something I hadn't considered but perhaps yeah that has an impact and there is I that think... mummy's boy adage isn't there of mummy's boy mummy's mothers and sons have this special bond it's that extra layer I think sometimes you've got mother and daughter will have a bit of a, a fractured relationship and that's so society we joke about that you know oh, mums and their daughters but mums and their sons is something almost sacred yeah and I think like if you look as well just statistically like if a child has been brought up in a single parent family it's likely to have been with a mum right yeah. that's just fact right mm-hmm. statistically a fact I, I know there's lots of other instances but think about how hard it is to just come out and say, I've cut ties with a parent at all, right? And then think of being a young boy who's coming, uh, sorry, now a man who's coming out against the woman that raised him completely on her own. Yeah. I don't think he stands a chance, actually. When I put it like that, I don't think yeah. he stands a chance. Like, I don't, I don't think he stands a chance. What, you're the, the mum who raised you completely on her own and, you know, now has um 
CPTSD as a result of her experiences and all of everything that she's been through to raise you, you're coming out now and cutting ties. I don't think mm. I, I like. It if would be was such sat, a harsh reaction, wouldn't it? There'd be no good reaction with that. Like, no. I mean, like if somebody was sitting across the table from me asking me, I'm going to post a video online tomorrow doing it. I think there'd be a bit of me that would be thinking, don't do it, man. Yeah. You know, because it's it's hard enough as it is. And I think in some ways I'm able to do it because I'm not specifically talking about my own parents, right? I've, I've sort of ended up here as a result of talking about dysfunctional families. And then, you know, as a result of what I've learned through the people that I work with and some of the people that I love in my life, um, I kind of can get, well, I don't get away with it. I get a lot of abuse, but like, you, you understand what I'm saying. It I think hits when you... harder, doesn't it? When it's not necessarily personal, when it's not necessarily something that you've specifically experienced with a toxic parent, it doesn't yeah. hit quite as hard when it's that abuse. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I think it's when, you know, when you ask that question and then we put it that plainly. The lack of support. Yeah. There yeah, would yeah. be a huge lack of support. And if there are any men listening who are thinking god yeah no that that actually really resonates with me then i hope you find some comfort in knowing that 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 people are aware of how difficult that is it's difficult for anybody regardless of who you are gender whatever to come out and say i don't have contact with the parent but i do wonder if perhaps that is why we hear so few male voices out there talking mm. specifically about their experience with um cutting ties with a toxic mother yeah, and just quickly, I know I've got to let you go, but just quickly, I mean, as we're thinking about it, never mind how hard it would be to say it publicly, how hard is it going to be to realise Yeah, that it's not you? If it's you've so grown hard. up with a single parent, <laughs> single mum that's raised you all on her own and all you've heard is stories from her and everybody around her about how well she did after, you know, having to do it all on her own. I mean, it's going to be hard to go, hang on a minute. She was horrible the whole bloody time. Like, it's going to be really, really hard to even see that. I'm laughing because that's my experience. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) Exactly. But but I think in a a lot of the... Yeah. Yeah. And I think in a lot of the toxic parent cases, by the way, that is the experience. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Because because toxic parents will often pick partners who are not ideal and are not Mm -hmm. great. Because it's great for the whole narrative and the story that they're creating you know, when we're talking particularly about covert narcissists, they have mm. to put themselves at the center of the universe and they do it by ensuring that they're the victim. So they will get in a relationship. They will actively seek relationships that have to support that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah These toxic, the toxic people that I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't think normal, you know, what normal people, I don't think healthy people. people. Abu- mm. I don't think, yeah. people. I don't think everybody that's abused went and got themselves in an abusive relationship. No. I'm not remotely saying that I've got content saying the complete opposite, but I do think these toxic people will, will seek these relationships that help fulfill the narrative. Yeah. And, and if you know, you know, yeah. so. it's, if you know, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I have loved about creating this podcast is that there is such a group of people who know and yeah. who have experienced it and who have found comfort in feeling seen and being able to say, oh, God, actually, that was my experience and that's how I feel. And that was my realisation and that they're not alone in that. Mm. Josh, can you tell us where people can find you, please? I'm Josh underscore FFW on social media. So you can find me there. Um, all my websites, just joshconnolly.co.uk. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I know we said just before this that it's the first Monday back after half term as we're recording this. So we were both like completely discombobulated. But I feel like we've had a real powerful chat there that hopefully people will resonate with and will Mm. be able to say, you know what, actually, yeah, that was my experience. And that makes a huge difference. And uh, encouraged a few people, hopefully, as well to do their shadow work. Yeah, do it. Do it, yeah. people. It is. It's really fascinating. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Well, it's not fun, <laughs> but it is really enlightening and it helps you to move forward through the things that you're experiencing for sure. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for being a guest. Pleasure. And, guys, I will speak to you again next week. Bye.